One of the ways that our family has been passing this time of the virus and the pandemic is uh, watching movies. I know you probably would have guessed that about me and my family, especially uh, Luke, my son, he has a top 25 that he's wanted to see before he goes back to school, if indeed he goes back to school. So most of those, that list of 25 is kind of the the classics or who, the movies I think are, are the classics like Silence of the Lambs or Last of the Mohicans, you know, some of those really significant and epic movies. And yet we do have to, you know, filter it in with some comedic fluff oftentimes. And so one of the comedic fluff was Central Intelligence with Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart. Uh, pretty humorous and... Um, uh, right in the, the middle of that movie, it's a story about how they were high school. Well, they knew each other, and Dwayne Johnson, he was, he was really bullied. He, was, he was not, did not have a good high school experience. Kevin Hart's character, he was kind of the, the athlete and so forth. And so they come back together, and they're talking about how Dwayne Johnson's character's character dealt with that bullying and he was like, yeah, so I just took it in a ball and I scrunched it and I pushed it way down and just ignored it. And Kevin Hart was like, that sounds horrible. That, that doesn't sound good at all. That, that's going to come out. And I was thinking, that connects with our series in Lament. That how oftentimes that's what we do, right? Especially if we have a a pretty good work ethic, especially if we are someone who take our responsibilities and we're hurt and we're wounded and we suffer and what do we do? We just, we ball it up, we, we shove it down, we ignore it and we keep on moving. And usually that is a recipe for disaster. That stuff, it, it doesn't go there, it, it go anywhere if we don't deal with it and, and work on it and allow it to come out. That's what this series has been about, is, is learning these healthy ways in dealing with the pain and the sorrow and the healthiest way. The way, in fact, that God says, do this. He, it's not just an invitation, but he says, he's, he doesn't just allow you to say, okay, if you want to lament, I'll let you. No, no, no. He invites us profoundly. He says, take those, what we just did, take those wounds and hurts as long as it takes and bring them to me. So this final week, we are going to look at a psalm, if you've brought your Bibles, a final psalm. There's many psalms that we could have looked at, but I wanted to, to focus on Psalm 126. This psalm, I think, does a nice way of adding, we, we've learned some ways to lament, and we've talked a little bit about whys of lament. Why do we lament? Why do we do this? And this psalm, in a, in a short way, adds some of those ways and some of those whys. Would you listen deeply as I read this psalm? And it, it begins with remembrance. What the psalmist is doing is, is they are remembering a time of favor and blessing by way of preparing for the prayer 
of lamenting and request. So this is Psalm 126. It reads, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we were filled with joy. Verse 4. Restore our fortunes, Lord. Like streams in the Negev, Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying the sheaves with them. This beautiful, short psalm, it it begins with this praise, this remembrance. I I love that phrase. We were like those who dreamed. It makes me think of a high school or college graduation, right? That's not a a time of lament. That's a a time of of celebration. That's a time when we're rewarding for hard work. It's a time of hope where we're looking to the future and there's this great celebration, anticipation. What the psalmist is doing is when he brought, probably when when the Lord brought back the exiles, finally there was that time we said, yes, we're beginning to experience a new, God's favor and blessing. And he remembers that time. Now, why do you think this psalmist begins the psalm of lament with remembrance? Well, there's probably a number of reasons, but one is he gets to pray, or she, Lord, you did it one time. Would you do it again? As he he remembers that, that time, she remembers that time where God answered prayer, where there was joy and there was laughter and there was hope and there was celebration. And he's saying, God, remember that? Remember that time, God. God, do it again. Do it again. I think another reason he begins with remembrance or she he is because as, as they remember, as we remember times of answered prayer, as we remember times of God's favor, it builds that faith in us. It builds that confidence. It reminds us of the times that God came through. I was thinking of this in particular Um, And I was thinking back to one of the greatest moments uh, of lament of my life is uh, when uh, the the mother of my kids, biological kids, took them from Colorado here back to Michigan. And I felt helpless without any power. Everything was out of my control. I felt crushed. Um, struggle. She removed them from their school. They're in grade school 
at the time over in Stetson Hills, and I just was crushed. I, I was lamenting, and I was crying out to God. And I, I was jogging past, um, we lived near, uh, used to live near a middle school, Skyview Middle School, and I'm jogging by that, that school, and I felt like the Lord placed a really bold prayer in my heart and mind. And that was not only I was praying that he would return them to their school, I was very concerned. Not only would he return them to the school, but that they would graduate from not just the grade school, but the middle school. And so I thought, I'm just going to pray that prayer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the Lord. I, I threw that out, and that became a prayer of mine. It's a long story, but not only did they graduate from that middle school, they graduated from high schools here in Colorado Springs. Like he went over and, and above what I thought was a really bold prayer. And now I pray for my kids, and they're young adults, so it goes without saying they need a lot of prayer. And in the times especially that I'm concerned, when I'm thinking about that, I remember how faithful God was. I remember how he restored. He heard my prayer. In fact, he, he led that prayer. He directed me to pray that prayer, I believe. So he could answer. And so when I have and struggle with those moments of, uh, of doubt or concern or overwhelmness, I, I think back and remember those incredible answers to prayer, and it gives me peace. I think that's what the psalmist is doing. In fact, he's praying for the people of God. And he's saying, God, we, I know what your past history shows that you are faithful. Your past history shows that you, you care about the, 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 your people. You hear our prayers. You answer and respond. Lord, do it again. Do it again. Speaking of remembering, I wanted to add one other thing of remembrance because I think this is intriguing and I'm gonna try, try this in the future in my prayer life. I thought I'd share it with you. And, and it's gotta be, it's David. I think only David I can think of, but he brings remembrance into his prayer, but he not only chooses what he remembers, but he asks the Lord, he, does, he says, Lord, can you remember me this way, not that? Isn't that bold? He says this. He says in Psalm 25, 7, do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. I'm totally going to use that. It's like, Lord, yeah, that's all water under the bridge, really. All those mistakes I've made, all that sin, that's, that's really beyond us, right, Lord? So, so don't remember that junk according to your unfailing love, your, your mercy that flows. That's how I want you to remember me. Only David would do that, right? 
But I think in Jesus Christ, that's an actual real way to pray, right? Yes, Lord, don't look at me as my sins deserve, but based on the sacrifice and the love of your son, would you remember me? Your love and your goodness, hear my prayer according to that. That, that, is, that idea, this way of remembering builds confidence in our intercession, builds confidence in our prayers. But also there's another thing. There's a repeated word in this little psalm. Happens in both verse 1 and verse 4, which I want to bring to your attention. It's this idea of restoration, right? Verse 1, he says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. In verse 4, then he turns that remembrance to that petition of restore our fortunes, Lord. This idea of restoration is so important. It's filled all through Scripture. Psalm 71, 20. Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. One of the things I really wanted in this series is that we continue to understand lament from a kingdom perspective that we would continue to, to understand that God is in the business of restoration. I love that Psalm 71. He, there's this confidence in this prayer, you will restore my life again. Where does that psalmist get that confidence? He knows that's what God's business is. That's the family business. That we, amen, that we live in this broken world, yes, and, and God allows an awful lot, does he not? And he causes sometimes an awful lot, but never for the purposes of condemnation. We know that because of Jesus Christ. He declared, now in the faith there is therefore no condemnation. God allows an awful lot, but not for the purposes of condemnation but always for the purposes of restoration. And our prayers should reflect that, that God is on the move, that God is inviting us, and not, he's not trying to cause guilt and uh, uh. Well, not, that's bad guilt. Good guilt. There's another word for that, which is much better. It's conviction conviction. But even that good guilt, even that conviction is for the purposes of restoration. He's at work. Take, for example, the pandemic and this virus. I like to, to think of it in those terms. Is there any coronavirus in heaven? Right? Keep us returning. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're praying that the reality of heaven would fill the reality of our earth, and that means no more virus. We're praying into that not yetness. The kingdom of God is not here yet because 
There's a virus that still exists. We pray. God has allowed that, and yet not for the purposes of death and destruction and condemnation, for the purpose of restoration and healing. Significant, important. Take the racial strife and um, struggle that we're in. Is there any racial injustice in heaven? Absolutely not. So when we pray in that the the kingdom of God is not yet here, we're we're lamenting, we're sharing in the not yetness, and we pray, Lord, bring it, Lord. We, We long for the already aspect of your kingdom, Lord. We pray and we stand. You've allowed this struggle, and yet we know that you are at work. This is who you are. You are working, healing and restoration, not condemnation. So we're joining our prayers of the kingdom of God. Whether it is a personal lament, as we read so many, relationally with with spouses, our friends, physically. Whether it's uh, praying for the salvation of our loved ones, whatever that is, we are joining. We know that God is at work, that God's plan is to restore all the earth. And so we pray. We're, We're honest, we're authentic, we're real about the pain that this is not heaven, that we're struggling, that we're hurting. And yet God is at work. We, we trust him. He's restoring our lives. He's restoring our relationships. He's restoring this broken world. We pray for restoration. Now, one of the things I also wanted to hit in this series was we're learning how to pray prayers of lament. We're learning to bring ourselves to the Lord. But there's a big part of Scripture that invites us to lament with one another, to journey with one another. In fact, uh, Paul says a couple of times, for example, Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing. He's saying that is part of the Christian faith. This is how we journey together. That we don't simply remain in our lament by ourselves, but he's given us community. I did want to invite Pastor Tracy and... Tracy, I don't know if you've ever been described by this, but you're somewhat of a professional lamenter. Would that be an accurate statement? That's accurate. Okay, so so Pastor Tracy has, she's served in a number of roles. She's been a chaplain where she's gone into hospitals like St. Francis and and care for people um, getting operations and preparation. She also now works for uh, Pikes Peak Hospice. So when 
People are, are at the end of their lives and the family walks in, so Tracy will just share stories with me. Uh, very, very difficult yet sacred moments in the lives of people and family. And so Tracy, I, I just wanted to ask a few things. When you walk into those, those in some ways beautiful moments, in some ways really, really hard moments, Help us to understand how, what some of the things that you think about that you try and bring, that you're trying to be the presence of Christ yes. to the family. Share some of your thoughts on uh, that. Sure, Pastor. Um, one of the, the most important things, and, and as Pastor Eric said, I've, I've been a chaplain, I'll say, for about uh, 17 years now from hospital, trauma, ICU, um, hospice now, um, the, the primary thing that I have to remember is I'm, I'm walking in uh, with the presence of God. So I can walk into a situation. I don't know the, the person's spiritual journey. I don't know the family's spiritual journey. But I know mine. And I know that God is, has called me to uh, be present. And if I'm present, the Holy Spirit is present. Um, and... And so before I walk in any place, mm. uh, before I walk into the home, uh, a home of a, a patient who's dying, or before I walk into a, a hospital room as I'm uh, running to the emergency room for a trauma call, I'm praying. Uh, and I, I just say, bless the Lord, mm. O oh my soul. And mm. all that is within me, bless his holy name. Mm. And I repeat that. And I repeat that mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm going in uh, with the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. and, and so I, it's not for me to come in and come up with magic words and, and mm -hmm. say the right thing, but mm -hmm. it's to be aware that I'm coming in to an experience that needs the presence of the Lord. Mm -hmm. and, and God has been so gracious and kind as to let me be that person that represents his presence. I was in what was called clinical pastoral mm -hmm. education and uh, a chaplain was kind of teaching and training and I had a question, I was very young in, uh, in seminary and then just saying, I, I'm walking with some older folks that are really, that are close to dying, mm -hmm. what's the best thing that I can do? And uh, I still remember he said, Allow them to tell their story if, mm -hmm. if possible. Just ask questions of who they are mm -hmm. and tell their story. And, and so that's been a, a delight for me to, to hear. In fact, uh, just last night, it was, uh, we were with uh, some of uh, my wife's work friends and just to hear their journey, they're, mm -hmm. they're not dying, but to hear their journey and their story was beautiful. What's some of the things, Tracy, that you try and do to, to give them moments to bless, whether the patient or the family. Hearing story is so in, incredibly uh, a place of healing. Mm -hmm. Even in a place of, of death or dying, story can be healing. Mm -hmm. So people will ask me if my job is depressing, and I'll say, you know, it's, there's sadness. Obviously, there's great sadness. There's, I'm walking into lament, places mm -hmm. of deep lament. But when I get to hold the story of a, of a dying person or the story of a family member, uh, 
the, the richness of that, the depth of that, the honoring of humanity, to, to know this is a life valued by God, whether it's someone 95 or someone five. Mm. Yeah, this is a story. There is a story here. Um, and over the course of my years, I, I hold countless stories and blessing and uh, that, that God has taken me into to hear, to be there, to be present, to be listening with my heart, to be listening for who this person is, uh, what matters to them, what do they want to say to God. In fact, that's one of the things I'll, I'll ask them, you know, can I pray for you? What, what do you want God to hear mm. as I pray? What, mm. what are the things on your heart that maybe you just can't say or don't feel like you can say yourself or you've been afraid to say, but what matters to you mm. that you want God to hear? And then I let my heart be present in that and then speak it before mm. the Lord. Tracy, would you say a little bit about, so I think we lament with others, oftentimes Christians, mm -hmm. but uh, sometimes we lament with folks that don't know the Lord. You step into circumstances mm -hmm. that you don't sometimes know their faith history. So how do you handle mm -hmm. that kind of discernment and uh, inviting them to, I, I, to engage with the Lord, even mm -hmm. if... Perhaps they, they have a very non-existent sure. faith journey. You know, as, as I mentioned, when I go in front of someone or next to them or kneeling next to them, I'm there in my own faith journey. I'm there knowing who Jesus Christ is. And, and, and so are all of you when we, when we come alongside someone, whether we know their faith journey or not. But particularly when someone doesn't, we know that there's a likelihood they don't know this Jesus that we know. Um, in my role, I'm, I'm not there to proselytize. I'm not there to come in and, and say, you got moments to live, you better get to know Jesus, or it's going to go really bad for you. Although internally I might be feeling that, mm. uh, but that it's, it's out of respect mm. and honoring a person I don't, that I don't do that. And, mm. and I'll say, for example, if you were in a foreign country and Christianity was not the faith, and you ended up in the hospital. I don't think you would want someone from another faith coming in and getting in your face and telling you, you know, Allah or Buddha or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, you must do this. And, mm -hmm. and uh, so, but I can be present in my own faith journey and talk with someone as I've done many, many times and they'll, they'll say something about the end or what this looks like and, and I'll be able to say, you know, in, in my faith understanding in my faith journey, which is a faith in Jesus Christ, this is, this is how I'm present, how I can come in and, and sit with an unknown situation because I can sit in, in what is known for me and that, that, that God is here and God is, God is with us and, he, and when he's with us, he's good and loving. And mm -hmm. so I speak to it from my own experience, yeah. not in uh, forcing them to come to that, but just to hear where my heart is. Yeah. And you were talking a little bit about sharing a psalm mm -hmm. sometimes yeah. with them. Mm -hmm. Would you share a little bit yeah. about that? So uh, Psalm 51 is just an, an amazing gift from the Lord. Is uh, He has given me many opportunities. Sometimes when I walk into a situation 
the, pa the person is, uh, is not alert or um, not really connected to, to this world. They're kind of easing into the other or not so easing. But, uh, but I, I, I read Psalm 51 to the, this person. And I, I say, this is, this is a psalm, I'll, I'll introduce myself and whether they respond or not, and just say, you know, I, I just want to tell you a, a little bit about, um, about how God has me present here uh, in my journey, in my connection. He says these powerful words, and, and I'll read, read the entire psalm, which I won't do in the moment, but I'll just read, read some parts of it. But... I'll just say, you know, be gracious to me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the greatness of thy compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And he goes on, he says, purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let these bones which thou hast broken rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. And then, amazingly, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from thy presence. And do not take thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. I go on to, to read that psalm, and then I will say something like, um, this is God's heart for you. This mm -hmm. is God's heart for me. He, he wants to do this work. So it's not about what kind of life we've lived. It's about the work that God wants to do mm -hmm. to bring redemption. Yeah. He does that work. Yeah. And so then I'll read it again, and I'll include that person's name, and I'll say, if this is something that your heart is longing for in this moment, I'm going to read this with your name in it, and, and you can proclaim that. Huh. And I sure hope when I get to heaven, there'll be a few people who go, that <laughs> Psalm 51 was my lifesaver, thank you. Uh -huh. um, but it's, it's God's goodness yeah. of redemption in these places of brokenness. Yeah, yeah. And, and oftentimes, I, I think another thing you're just modeling for us is I do like to read, especially Psalms in those difficult moments. Yes. And in fact, I'll pray oftentimes which Psalm the Lord would have me mm -hmm. read. I have a couple of favorites. Uh, sometimes when I return to someone who's still in a difficult place, I'll ask them what their favorite Psalm is and we'll read that together and, and pray together. And so again, in, instead of just simply throwing Christian cliches mm -hmm. at folks, try to bring the word of God yes. and prayer yes. and presence, mm -hmm. presence. And, and say less and, and listen right. more and ask right. questions. Yeah. One, one thing I'll say, you know, cliches are they're easy to go to and, and we all know them, um, but they can actually be harmful um, yeah. and, and be despairing. Um, you know, and it and they come from our discomfort. They come from our wanting someone to not feel so bad. Uh, so when you say things like, oh, he, you're going to a better place, or she's in a better place, or um, 
you know, now the angel's on your shoulder. Those are things that you want, that you can know are true. But sometimes the place in scripture has been the witness of that, is to just be in the lament, not to try to wrap this up into something prettier. It's mm -hmm. just to be in, in the brokenness. Uh, and, you know, when someone will say, a, a good one is someone who says, why, why, why is this happening? Why did this happen? I guarantee you they're not looking for you to provide the answer. They just want you to hear as the psalmist in the lament, those who lament in scripture want God to hear. I, I'm so desperate, God. I, I would love to know why. And I, I pretty much know I don't get to know why, at least in the fullness of the not yet. Yeah. Uh, so, so if someone says, why did this happen? Why did this happen to me? You can Everything be, happens for a reason, yeah, yeah. Tracy. Oh, my word. Yes, it, and, and my response to you saying that is, <laughs> and the reason I'm going to not talk to you is because of the, but it's, it really is about letting lament be present, letting the brokenness be present, and knowing our God is enough. He's, yeah. he's enough for us to ask why and not get the, get the answer. Yeah. But when we're asking God why, he's the one who holds the answer. Yeah. So you can say, oh, God, I don't get this. I don't like this. I don't want this. Why? Yeah. And, and then we can turn as the psalmist say, and, and so I'm going to say this. I trust you. I trust you. Yeah. You're going to do this work. Thank you so much, Tracy. Incredibly yeah. helpful. Thank you for that. And thank you for the ministry that you do. Yeah. Not easy. Not easy. But as you were saying, Pastor, when we lament before the Lord. It's the Lord who is holding our lament, holding our brokenness, yeah. and healing, and restoring, and redeeming. So we don't want to welcome lament and say, hey, bring it on. But when we come to it, mm -hmm. we do want to welcome the experience yeah. with our God and with one another. He's called us to do that with one another. Amen. Thank you, Tracy. Just a, a few more reflections that I think are important in this psalm. It is one is this idea of um, that lament is, is not oftentimes, is not meant to be a standstill experience. It's meant to be a journey. You know, sometimes it can be really unhealthy to, to shove lament down um, and ignore it. It can also be unhealthy, if I can say this sensitively, to remain in that place for too long. That, that lament is meant to be this journey, not where we're remaining in this wallowing place, but that we're journeying through a journey of restoration, actually. And there, there's times to pay attention, there's times to sit in it, but there's also times to journey. It's somewhat of a humorous phrase from the Lord in the, in the Old Testament. There's a story where Joshua is leading the people of God into the promised land and they're having victories of the, uh, against the armies. And at one moment, um, it goes bad. They lose a, a, a battle and it feels like God's favor 
is not there. And so Joshua cries out and he, he tears his clothes. And all day, he and the, and the religious leaders, the Jewish people, they're, they're, they're putting uh, dust on their foreheads, their, their sackcloth, they're mourning all day, they're going, they're, they're crying out, God, help, what is going on? And here's God's initial response. Stand up, what are you doing down on your face? I find that somewhat, it's like, get off your face. And he says, you sinned like I told you not to. You, you broke covenant. Now deal with the sin so we can move on, recommit your life. But it, it, I found it humorous where he's like, Joshua, time to get up and get moving. Deal with the sin confess it, address it, repent, and move on. Sometimes we need to move from that wallowing place. We never let go, like if it's a lament of a loss of person, we never let go of those people, but we learn to carry them with us. We, we learn to journey. Learned that from the loss of my parents. Like, and sometimes events feel like life stops. And yet we learn authentically real to carry those people with us. And then finally, there's these powerful images in the psalm. And I just want you to note verse 4 is this idea of, it says, uh, mentions Negev, which was a southern part of Judah, and it was very dry and deserty. And he's saying, Lord, when you brought your restoration, it was like this flood, this stream in the desert. Doesn't lament feel like desert oftentimes? Yep, it was this desert, and yet when God answers the prayer, praying for the streams in the Negev, this flow of water, the hailstorm, if you, if you were watching it, bam, happened all of a sudden. It was hot and dry, and then bam, water and hail. God's restoration. And also this beautiful harvesting analogy which I carry on, when we lament, it's like we're sowing seeds. Our, when we read those laments at the table, when, when we sing those laments, when we, it's like seed, and in the economy of God, in the grace and mercy of God, he takes those seeds and he brings the fruit of joy, of healing, of laughter. Such a, a powerful image. Let me just read that line again. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. 
The Apostle Paul was talking about financial support, and he made this truth. I believe we can apply it to lament. He says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Oftentimes we talk about that verse and the immediate context is finances. The more you give to the Lord, the more you receive back. I believe it's legitimate to apply this to this lamenting process. That the more that we're authentic and real, the more that we sow these seeds and get real with God and and honest and pray, Lord, it's hard, I'm struggling, it's tough. The more he hears and responds and blesses and brings favor. So even though this is the end of our series, it doesn't mean It's the end of our lament. In fact, I want to invite the the worship team up, and as the worship team comes up, I want to remind you how we started this series. Do you remember? I should have brought them with a cross and a crucifix. Remember? A cross and a crucifix. Yes, there is part of the faith that is about victory, that is about God's favor, about God's blessing, about God's joy. Absolutely, that's part of the faith. But there's also a part of the faith where Jesus says, I'm calling you to pick up your cross daily and follow me. There are, will, are many troubles in this world, but take heart, I have overcome the world that we're meant to walk with both of those, not to the exclusion of one, but God meets us in that tension. In fact, Ecclesiastes 3, way back, he says, there is a time of weeping and a time of joy, a time of mourning and a time of dancing. We don't leave one or the other, we embrace We live into both. So Lord, these ideas, these prayers, we've allowed one another to go to these difficult places. Lord, we don't want to leave all of this behind. We want to journey with it. Lord, would you give us that sense of your timing when you're inviting us into times of lament of our own and for our brothers and sisters in Christ, those who do not yet know you. Lord, would you help us to be your presence, your hand, and your heart to those. Lord, would you help us to trust you that you are God, not of condemnation, but of restoration. A God who hears our prayers. 
And at just the right time, your timing, your moment, you answer. Amen.